Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. How about that with the Franz von Holzhausen throw-in to start the podcast? I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined as always here on Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast by my canine co-hosts, Daisy the Boxer and Zelina the Future Service Dog. Well, I was so thrilled to get to go to the design studio and interview Franz von Holzhausen last week. And at the end, when he was nice enough to record that little we, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, station ID, a little promo. I was just over the moon. You know, I just, we recorded it and then, and then I was out the door. And so when I was sitting in the airport waiting for my flight home, I listened back to it and I just got this huge smile on my face. I mean, how cool is that? That is just the most fun thing. I'm so grateful to Franz for his hospitality and for doing that little promo. That was awesome. I hope all of you enjoyed last week's big interview with Franz. It's basically impossible to top that unless I had Elon Musk on this week, which, spoiler alert, I don't. I'm sorry, but I've still got a fun podcast for you. There is plenty to talk about, uh, so I will be doing lots of Tesla news for you here on this week's podcast. Plus, your phone calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline are coming up as well. I want to thank all of you for sending in a lot of kind words about the Franz interview and for all of you backing me on Patreon at the ludicrous tier of the Patreon or higher. This week's weekly bonus lightning round mini episode was all about the behind the scenes of last week's Franz interview, kind of all the all the little bits and pieces that went into that day and making it happen. So you can check that out if you're interested on my Patreon page found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. And though I won't be topping the Franz interview from last week on this show, next week is nevertheless a big episode. So if you're new to the podcast, if you're coming back because you did listen to the podcast for the first time last week and you enjoyed it enough to give it another try, number one, thank you. I hope to earn your, your time and attention. But yeah, next week is going to be the big quarterly earnings call recap and analysis episode. So I'll have quotes from Elon Musk and all of the Tesla executives. I'll have little sound clips of all of them, along with all the big news from the earnings call and the shareholder letter that gets sent out as well. So look forward to that next week. Now, speaking of my Franz interview, just one more thing. I promise I'm not going to I'm going to dwell on this for too long, but uh, I did have a few takeaways from it that I thought I would share. Maybe they match up to yours and maybe they don't. Because, you know, as you either knew or probably figured out from listening to the interview, Franz is more of a tight-lipped guy than Elon is. Franz knows what he is willing to reveal and what he isn't. So I did. I knew that going in, having interviewed Franz before, back on episode 220, So I did my best to try and get Franz to talk around some stuff, even if he didn't want to speak directly to it. And so as such, some of his answers to my questions 
last week, while not definitive direct answers, I thought nevertheless gave a pretty clear indication on what he's thinking and what Tesla is thus doing. So I've got three takeaways. I'll give them to you real quick before I get on with this week's Tesla news. Number one, he said they're working on the next-gen Roadster in earnest. Those were his words. So therefore, I just don't think there's any hope of that car being delivered this year, which you may recall, 2023 is still the most up-to-date release window that we have for the new Roadster, and that comes from Elon Musk on, I think it was the first or second earnings call of last year, of 2022, when, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said this year, meaning 2022, is going to be all about scaling up production, and next year, meaning now this year, 2023, is going to be all about launching awesome new products, and he specifically mentioned the Tesla Semi, the Cybertruck, and the Roadster. But I think at this point, 2023 is not going to happen again for the Roadster, unfortunately. And instead, it's cross your fingers for 2024. So we'll see how, how that goes. Takeaway number two from the Franz interview last week is that I don't think the turn indicator and gear selector stocks are going to get deleted on the Model 3 and Model Y, at least not anytime soon. You heard me basically said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it with those two cars, the high volume cars that are just selling like crazy. They're very popular. So I would not expect any fairly radical driver interface change like that because it is, you know, the S and the X, they, they took that leap. They deleted the stalks. They went with a yoke. Now they've got the round wheel option, of course. But on the three and the Y, the mass market cars, it just doesn't seem like Tesla is going to take that risk based on Franz's statements last week. Takeaway number three, on this same note, Project Highland, which is the heavily rumored, pretty well-sourced project to revamp the Model 3 in Q3 or Q4, well, it's expected in Q3 in in Giga Shanghai. We'll see when it comes to Fremont, but the the project, the revamp of the Model 3 for later this year, I expect Project Highland will make very minimal changes to the Model 3's exterior when it does happen in the back half of this year. Perhaps a tweak to the front and rear end because there have been some Uh, Tesla Model 3s with manufacturer California plates running around the San Francisco Bay Area with giant custom bras fit on the front and rear of the vehicles that they are covering something that they don't want us to see. And so it is entirely possible that there is some sort of tweaked appearance going on under there as part of Project Highland. But I just don't think we can expect any radical changes to the styling of the Model 3 when Project Highland goes uh, into production. It basically, it's similar to what happened with the Model S and the Model X when those went out of production for a while and then came back in the second half of 2021 as the new Model S and Model X. They kept their same general appearance, but certainly did have a little bit of an exterior refresh, but nothing crazy. And so I think the changes to the Model 3 are going to be mostly under the skin, meaning the structural battery pack and the 4680 
battery cells. If you've got any more takeaways, anything that that uh, you think Franz was alluding to or strongly hinting at, feel free to email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, or call in if you like for a chance to be featured on an upcoming podcast. I will give you the call-in information later on when we get to the Ride the Lightning hotline. But now it is time to talk about this week's Tesla news. First up, Tesla has captured the U.S. luxury crown. An American automaker wears the U.S. luxury sales crown for the first time in nearly a quarter century, says Automotive News, which is paywalled. So I I read the uh, write-up, the summary from Tesla Roddy, so I will tip my cap to both here. Tesla Roddy writing, this was the first time a U.S. automaker has held this title in almost 25 years. In 2021, Tesla was bested by only 23,244 vehicles, but in 2022, Tesla led by 156,612 vehicles per Automotive News. Estimates from the Automotive News Research and Data Center found that Tesla sold over 491,000 cars in the U.S. in 2022, which is up by 44% crossing 1 million deliveries globally. Luxury sales in the U.S. dropped in 2022, and the broader market dropped around 8%. Despite the drops, U.S. vehicle registration data showed that Tesla had a 124,786 vehicle lead over its nearest luxury competitor through October. Tyson Jomini, vice president of data and analytics at J.D. Power, told Automotive News that luxury buyers want EVs, but the only one that's the, the only one that sells only EVs is now the sales leader. Quote, if you want to be at the top of the luxury segment, you've got to beat Tesla and you've got to do it with EVs, he said. So thank you to Tesla Roddy and Automotive News there. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may remember how I used to often talk about Tesla eating the competition's lunch. First, the Model S came along and ate the competition's lunch, stealing sales from the likes of the Mercedes S-Class, BMW 7 Series, and the Audi A8. Then the Model 3 came in and absolutely scarfed down the lunches of the BMW 3 Series, the Mercedes C-Class, and the Audi A4, among others. And now... The Model Y has come in and basically wrecked everyone in the crossover SUV category, whether they're an internal combustion engine car or an EV. I mean, this day was inevitable. It was only a matter of time when Tesla would become the number one selling luxury brand in the US. The the article didn't specify here, but I'm going to guess, solidly guess, that the last U.S. company to do it almost 25 years ago that they mentioned, it must have been Cadillac, right? Because I don't know who else it would have been back in the late 90s, which, number one, the fact that the late 90s was 25 years ago makes me feel very old because that's when I was in high school and college. Anyway, it had to have been Cadillac, right? Because it wouldn't have been Lincoln back then. Must have been Cadillac. Anyway, uh, last week's big price cuts particularly the very large price cut on the Model Y, combined with the Model 3 and Model Y now qualifying for the federal tax credit, 
should mean that Tesla is not just going to keep the crown of top-selling luxury car brand in the U.S., but that lead is probably going to grow here in 2023. I mean, honestly, I would have bet money on that happening even before last week's drastic price changes. So again, as I like to do on this podcast, because it's important to stop and celebrate victories and, you know, we're fans, we're owners, but to acknowledge and celebrate the people that make this possible. So a well-deserved congratulations goes out to the entire Tesla team on this. And as you heard Franz say in my interview with him last week, the three and the Y still look modern and fresh and they're doing so well that again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Or I guess if it ain't broke, just make it cheaper so that more people can afford your awesome thing. And that's exactly what Tesla is doing. Next up this week, we've got a new update from Elon Musk on FSD beta version 11, or as it's going to be up to by the time we get our hands on it, version 11.3. Elon tweeting, quote, looks like version 11.3 will be ready for wide release in about two weeks. Many major improvements should start rolling out later this week. This is actually two tweets. I'm combining into one. Should start rolling out later this week, next week at the latest. And Elon added that he's most excited with this release about, quote, many small things. We're starting to make use of neural nets for vehicle navigation and control, not just vision. Well, the good news is later this week is now. I feel like I'm in space balls. When will then be now? Soon. Anyway, uh, next week might be now, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But as always, Elon and two weeks is kind of a running joke at this point. But as such, it's still likely to be a little while before the majority of us that are in the FSD beta program get this in our cars because it'll roll out to the Tesla employees first then the quote-unquote famous beta testers, the people that are out there posting videos all the time, the Chuck Cooks of the world. And then if it's looking good, there aren't any bad bugs found, then it'll push out to the rest of us. That process typically takes around two to three weeks for us to get it, the bulk of us to get it, after those first two groups have received it. But still... This is going to be a very welcome update. I'm really excited for this one. You know, we're nearing, the, and I'm not trying to poke fun at Elon or make light of it, but we are nearing the one-year mark of when Elon first started talking up version 11, and the big thing about it being the merging of the highway autopilot stack and the FSD city streets stack. It's going to be a massive undertaking. Obviously, I say that with no programming knowledge whatsoever, but the fact that it has been a year plus in the making indicates to me, a layperson, that yes, it is a massive undertaking. And I'm just really eager to see the results. I mean, I will caution everyone again, though, as excited, including myself, I'm talking to myself here. As much as I'm looking forward to this, when this first drops, be mentally prepared for it to be a slight step backwards from the legacy highway autopilot stack 
that we've all been using for years now. I'm not saying it will for sure be a step back, just that history suggests that it might be a little bit of a little bit of a backtrack before it hopefully fairly quickly surges forward to be better than it ever was. I mean, hopefully it's going to be a smooth transition, but again, just in case it's not, because this is a big change, just be prepared for that. Next up this week, Tesla has released its latest vehicle safety report covering Q3 of 2022. This comes via Tesla's own website where they write, at Tesla, we believe that technology can help improve safety. That's why Tesla vehicles are engineered to be the safest cars in the world. We believe the unique combination of passive safety, active safety, and automated driver assistance is crucial for keeping not just Tesla drivers and passengers safe, but all drivers on the road. It's this notion that grounds every decision we make, from the design of our cars to the software we introduce to the features we offer every Tesla owner. While no car can prevent all accidents, we work every day to try and make them much less likely to occur. Active safety features come standard on all Tesla vehicles made after September of 2014 for an added layer of safety beyond the physical structure of each car. Because every Tesla is connected, we're able to use the billions of miles of real-world data from our global fleet, of which more than 9 billion have been driven with autopilot engaged to understand the different ways accidents happen. We then develop features that can help Tesla drivers mitigate or avoid accidents. Through over-the-air software updates, we're able to introduce safety features and enhancements long after a car has been delivered, as well as release updated versions of existing safety features that take into account the most up-to-date real-world data collected by our fleet. In October of 2018, we began voluntarily releasing quarterly safety data in order to provide critical safety information about our vehicles to the public, and in July of 2019, we began voluntarily releasing annually updated data about vehicle fires as well. Accident rates among all vehicles on the road can vary from quarter to quarter and can be affected by seasonality, like reduced daylight and inclement weather conditions. So that is the intro. Now, for Q3 2022, pardon me, Tesla says in the third quarter, we recorded one crash for every 6.26 million miles driven in which drivers were using autopilot technology. For drivers who were not using autopilot technology, we recorded one crash for every 1.71 million miles driven. By comparison, the most recent data available from NHTSA and FHWA from 2021 shows that in the United States, there was an automobile crash approximately every 652,000 miles. So there you have it, virtually a 10x difference in safety between other vehicles on the road and Tesla's using autopilot. And over a 3x difference between a Tesla using autopilot and a Tesla not using autopilot. You know, interestingly with this one, Tesla posted a bar graph on their blog here that shows the numbers that go back to when they first started tracking this, as you heard back in Q3 of 2018. So they've got four years of data now. And if you look at this graph, well, you can see fluctuations in it from quarter to quarter. The overall line 
just keeps pushing further out from the y-axis. And that means the autopilot number continues to get better and better over time, which just, which is awesome. I mean, that's, their plan is working. Their data is yielding not just good data, but data they can take action on, which is so cool. Now on this note, I am very glad that Tesla has been including basic, basic autopilot on every car, even the base model three since now early 2019 or about exactly the past three, four years, because if you're newer to Tesla, you might not know that it, every Tesla did not used to come with the car. Uh, every Tesla, let me try that again. Basic autopilot did not used to come with every Tesla. If I recall correctly, it was a $2,000 option just for the basic form of it. And now that is bundled in. So it's just so useful. And it's, it's such a difference maker on the highway and especially on road trips. I speak from personal experience. I speak from reading the community and hearing feedback from you guys. It is awesome to have on a road trip. It just helps you, it, you really, it really helps you uh, really burn less mental energy to, to carry on your trip in a safe way. Uh, you know, for me, I'm at the point where anytime I'm on the freeway, I'm on autopilot. And it's funny, when I'm kind of this point where when I see another Tesla on the freeway, which here in the San Francisco Bay Area is basically all the time, and, and sometimes I'll see, I'm cruising on autopilot, and I'll, I'll see that it's obvious that the other Tesla isn't on autopilot because they're not taking like a robotically perfect line in the middle of the lane. So you can tell that's how it's, you're not, they're not on autopilot. I just, in my head, I go, why aren't you using autopilot? And I don't mean that in a mean way or anything. I'm, I'm just kind of genuinely curious why you wouldn't turn it on if you're just cruising down a straight highway. I mean, you've got it, use it. It just makes the drive a lot less stressful and more relaxing. And as I talked about on, gosh, what was that, a, two or three months ago now, maybe even a little longer, you may remember my story that I told you about where I, I uh, was saved from getting sideswiped on the freeway by autopilot, or at least by the car's active safety features. I was, just to quickly, quickly recap, I was cruising down on autopilot in the second lane from the left, and there was a, a taxi cab driver who was either distracted or tired or something. I ended up, I posted the, the clip of the Sentry footage on my Instagram, and you can see it, he just, he swerves over into my lane and is about to hit me, and the car actually jerked to the left, because thankfully there was, it saw there was no one in the left lane, and it, it totally saved me from getting sideswiped. So this stuff works and it's just awesome. And you know, I was as I was writing these notes up, I, I got to thinking more about this. I went, you know what? I'm gonna make this the subject of this week's Patreon poll. So every week on my aforementioned Patreon, which is the way you can voluntarily choose to support the podcast, I put up a poll that I work into the following week's episode. And so this week, the question for all of you was, how often do you use autopilot? Nearly 200 respondents, and a reminder, 
You do not need to be backing me on Patreon in order to respond to the poll. I have that just open to the public because the larger the data sample on that, the better quality the results. So I invite everybody to come in each week to vote in the uh, in the poll. I put them up every Tuesday night. Anyway, uh, the choices were every chance I get, most of the time, but there are certain spots where it routinely exhibits undesirable behavior. Conditionally, such as only at night or only during the day, etc. Only in heavy traffic, rarely or never slash I don't have autopilot on my Tesla. And 41% of respondents said most of the time, but there are certain spots where it routinely exhibits undesirable behavior. 29% said every chance I get. So that means the, the, the sample here is uh, 70% of you use it a lot. Which is which means you're like me. You use it, you use it quite a bit. So uh, that was I thought that was a really interesting poll this week. The data was that was worthwhile data. I thought so. Thanks to everybody that voted in that one. Next up this week, Tesla has cracked Brand Finance's list of the world's top 25 most valuable brand rankings. In fact, Tesla's not just on the top 25; they're in the top 10. This story comes via Tesla insider Sawyer Merritt, who posted this on his Twitter account, so a tip of the cap to him. And he writes, Tesla is up 19 spots this year to number nine in Brand Finance's 2023 World's Top 25 Most Valuable Brand Rankings. Quote, the public still sees Tesla as significantly more innovative and sustainable in global brand equity monitors in a global brand equity monitor study a fact that outweighs the latest headlines about Tesla's mercurial CEO, they said. Tesla has seen a 433% increase in its brand value in the last three years. For context, because you're probably curious just as I was, the highest ranked automaker on the list is Tesla, yes. Mercedes is the next one. They fell one spot to number 16, so seven behind Tesla. Toyota fell seven spots down to number 19. BMW moved up six spots to number 33. Porsche moved up six spots as well to number 40. Volkswagen down 14 spots to number 47. Honda dropping 15 spots to number 71. Ford down 10 spots to number 86. GM not on the list. And if you're curious about the overall list and who's ahead of Tesla, not just other automakers, numbers one through eight are Amazon, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Walmart, Samsung, ICBC, and Verizon. Facebook is number 14 behind Tesla, and Disney is number 23. So thought that was kind of interesting. And you know, I thought it's man, it's kind of crazy how almost the entire top 10 are tech companies. And by the way, I'm including Tesla in that. Tesla is every bit a tech company as they are a car company. And I don't think that's a hot take. But again, to me, this is one of those let's pull back to the 10,000 foot view kind of moments. And I want you to pull back 
to that 10,000 foot view and think about where Tesla was just five years ago as the Model 3 had recently started production. They were ascending, but still very much a niche luxury EV automaker. Then the next thought exercise, let's go back five years before that to when the Model S was just starting out and no one really knew about Tesla at all, let alone respected them or valued them as a brand. So again, that's just 10 short years ago. Then go back five years before that to when the original Roadster had just come out and they were basically a startup with a dream. And I ask you to go back that far and now we can come back to the present to say this. What Tesla has done over the past 15 years is downright remarkable by any standard, be it financial success, brand success, as this ranking attests to, and product lineup. What was one proof-of-concept, low-volume sports car is now a four-vehicle lineup featuring four of the very best vehicles in the world, two of which are high-volume, not just in each of those four vehicles' respective classes, but I'm talking overall. These are four of the best vehicles on the road, period. Certainly in terms of safety, in terms of efficiency, in terms of performance. I mean, a lot of different metrics. And now the the sales are starting to reflect that as well. And the Cybertruck is the next one out, which while polarizing by nature with regard to its design, the Cybertruck has the potential to seriously disrupt the massively popular pickup truck segment. So the future remains bright for Tesla. And in fact, it would not surprise me to see Tesla move up this brand ranking list some more by next year after the Cybertruck has come out. I mean, I could see them passing Verizon, ICBC, and maybe even Samsung. I think those three are, are in play. Passing Walmart might be a tougher task, let alone the rest of that top five, but This is still a mighty impressive showing by Tesla with, again, that future outlook being even brighter. Finally this week, if you're a Reddit user, as I am, you may be familiar with the subreddit NotTheOnion. It is a forum where people post real-life news stories that sound like they were ripped straight from the pages of the satirical fake news site that we know as The Onion. Well, we've got our own Not The Onion story this week here on Ride the Lightning. It comes from the state of Wyoming, which wants to phase out sales of EVs by 2035 to, quote, ensure the stability, end quote, of the oil and gas industry. Yes, you did hear me correctly, not phase out the sale of internal combustion engine vehicles, but phase out the sale of electric vehicles. One more tip of the cap to Teslarati, which is where I saw this news story, and they wrote, the state of Wyoming is considering phasing out the sales of electric vehicles by 2035 to, quote, ensure the stability of its oil and gas industry. 
Senators Jim Anderson, Brian Boner, Ed Cooper, Dan Dockstader, Representatives Donald Burkhart Jr., and Bill Henderson sponsored the bill SJ-0004. In the bill, the group of politicians claimed that oil and gas production has been one of the state's proud and valued industries, creating, quote, countless jobs and contributing, quote, revenues to the state of Wyoming throughout the state's history, end quote. The group also based their worries on a lack of EV charging infrastructure, which would, quote, make the widespread use of electric vehicles impracticable. Is that a word? For the state, end quote. The bill praises gas-powered vehicles for allowing the state's industries and businesses to flourish and criticizes the use of batteries in electric vehicles due to the critical minerals contained in them. The bill states that the minerals in the batteries are, quote, not easily recyclable or disposable and claim that municipal landfills in the state would be required to develop safe and responsible disposal solutions for the minerals. The bill then praises the oil and gas industry. It states, quote, now I'm quoting the bill here, quote, the proliferation of electric vehicles at the expense of gas-powered vehicles will have deleterious impacts on Wyoming's communities and will be detrimental to Wyoming's economy and the ability for the country to efficiently engage in commerce. End quote. Yes, they did say country, not state. In 2021, Wyoming ranked eighth nationally in crude oil production, producing over 85 million barrels of crude oil. Well, there was the kicker right at the end, if you were waiting for it, and it's the fact that they produce a ton of oil. Look, normally I like to keep things enthusiastic and fun here on the podcast, and by the way, let me make it clear, I personally don't have anything against gasoline-powered vehicles. I, I have no interest in going back to one now that I have my Tesla, but I'm not, you know, I, the future is EVs and that's where we're going, whether Wyoming wants, wants us to or not. But I'm, you know, I'm not here to just trash internal combustion engine vehicles, but this bill, this, this, whether this is a real actual legitimate effort or just kind of a grandstanding thing, I don't know, but it's this is flat out ridiculous. Again, I I try to keep things enthusiastic and fun here on this podcast, but this one I had to call this one out because this is bad for Wyoming constituents and it's bad for the literal state of Wyoming in terms of its air quality and its environment. And the lawmakers, here's what now maybe you, okay, if you, that's an opinion, if you'd like to disagree with me, sure. But the lawmakers who are proposing this bill are flat out factually wrong with, with some of their argument. Because, number one, I took a look, there are plenty of superchargers around the highways of Wyoming. Just from looking, taking a cursory 30-second look at the tesla.com slash supercharger map of superchargers in the state of Wyoming... And the other part that they're factually wrong about is the recyclability of the batteries because the bulk of any electric vehicle's battery is incredibly recyclable. Look at Tesla co-founder J.B. Straubel's new company, Redwood Materials. They exist to recycle batteries from electric vehicles, and J.B. himself is very recently on the record 
stating how almost every component of a spent EV battery can be reused not just once, but in fact hundreds if not thousands of times. That is how wrong the Wyoming lawmakers are on that aspect of it. And even if we pretend they're not wrong, the reality is that they're going to be swimming upstream against a raging river coming at them in the opposite direction because, as we've talked about on the podcast, California and New York State have already banned the sale of new internal combustion engine vehicles by 2035. Much of Europe has done the same, which means the entire market is shifting and will continue to shift whether Wyoming lawmakers here in 2023 want it to or not. The the fact is there won't be many cars to sell at dealerships, AKA, by the way, small businesses in Wyoming in the year 2035 if these lawmakers are truly serious about trying to keep electric vehicles out of their state. So if you're a Wyoming resident, as always with these things, I politely encourage you to write a, and I'm going to emphasize this word, respectful note to your state lawmakers to try and educate them on EVs, particularly the recyclability aspect of it, and to politely and respectfully voice your disapproval for this proposed bill. All right. That is everything I've got for you in this week's Tesla news, but there are so many excellent phone calls from you guys lined up in the Ride the Lightning hotline. I will get to those right after this. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline. It is your chance to be featured on the podcast. All you got to do is call in and leave me your Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic. There are two easy ways that you can call in. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record the question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number you can dial anytime, and that number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Kicking us off this week is Rich from Kansas. Hi, Ryan. This is Rich from Olathe, Kansas. I have an idea for Tesla that I think really needs to be implemented. I've been driving a Tesla for the last four or five years, a 2012 Model S, so I have not had the experience with autopilot, but... This year, we went ahead and got a Austin-built Model Y, uh, long range, and I've been doing quite a bit of testing with uh, FSD just to see what the technology is about. 
One problem I see with it is in the neighborhood, I preached my kids that they do not go over the speed limit in our neighborhood. It's too risky with kids and families and cars and dogs out in the roads there. That speed limit is to be under. Uh, there's also roads that are are you you can safely go faster than the speed limit you know so one thing i'd like to propose to tesla is to sort of do what they have done with the automatic air suspension on the model s uh that it is geo-based so when i set a speed limit on the uh for a certain road to go a certain speed that it remembers that because i only want to go 15 miles per hour in my neighborhood but when i get on the highway i want to go five above the speed limit and that it will go ahead and remember those settings for uh, each road based on geolocation it would really help out it's very frustrating having to change the speed all the time um, for certain situations Anyways, just want to put that out there. Big fan of your show. Been listening to it for many, many years. And uh, look forward to uh, hearing your response on this. Thanks, Ryan. Rich, I couldn't agree more on this excellent idea. Tesla can geolocate your folding mirrors, your air suspension if you've got an S or an X, your garage door opener. So theoretically, there's no reason they couldn't also geotag your preferred speed settings in certain roads as well. One area where that would be really useful to me personally is on certain stretches of the freeway here, the speed limit will drop from 65 to 55, but the flow of traffic is always continuously moving as if that speed limit was still 65. My autopilot will drop down which if I don't remember to catch it right away is something where I worry that the driver behind me will think that I'm brake checking them or worse. And I don't want that. And you give an even better use case with your residential neighborhood example. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. In my humble opinion, there is a time and a place where it's safe to go over the speed limit. But for me, a neighborhood is never it. So in short, I would love to see Tesla implement this as always by way of an option, not a mandatory thing, an option that people can enable if they want to. Rich, thank you very much for your call. Regular caller Brian from Pennsylvania is up next. Hey, Ryan, Brian from what? Wallace in Pennsylvania. You have commented a couple episodes ago uh, regarding the latest full self-driving update and how you felt it has gone backwards. And I fully agree with that. My car has also gone backwards. There are turns it was used to make, and it just it won't do them now. Um, and I mean, like, turns in the road, not turns at a stop sign or anything like that. So that is disappointing. And uh, secondly, going to full self-driving and the ca inside cabin camera. I'm not sure if this happened in the update or if it's the new car, because I got the update literally the same day I took delivery of the new car. I have noticed the camera in either this car or update is way more sensitive to me holding a cell phone in my hand, where I used to be able to hold my hand with a cell phone kind of by the cup holders and be fine with it. And I can look down here and there, but as long as I was looking forward, the car was fine and wasn't going to holler at me. 
but I'm finding now, even if I'm just holding the cell phone in my hand by the cup holders and I'm looking for it, the car freaks out and has a fit and tells me to pay attention. I'm like, I am paying attention. But it's really, really annoying and to the point now where I just take the car out of full self-driving and I'm finding I'm not really even using full self-driving as much because the camera is constantly yelling. Even when I don't have a phone in my hand, the camera is hollering at me to pay attention. I'm like, I look down at the screen for to skip the next track or something like that or to look at directions, and it really is just being a total pain in the donkey. Anyhow, um, have a great day, and thanks. Thanks, as always, for your call, Brian. I wonder if Tesla has maybe updated the in-cabin camera with a better one since my 2018 car, because I'll tell you, you are not the first person to talk about getting yelled at by your car a lot to keep your eyes on the road when you're using the FSD beta. Whereas me in my 2018 Model 3, I've been yelled at, I, I remember the number because it's a low number, it happened once, ever, and I was absolutely guilty. I was at a stoplight, I was at a red light, and I was staring at the screen, futzing around with something on the screen for a while, and it said, hey, keep your eyes on the road. And I've been lucky enough to have FSD beta for over a year now, which means like my sample size is pretty large, and that's the one and only time that I've ever been yelled at by the system to keep my eyes on the road. I wonder if there's an A-B test that we could do. Brian, maybe if we compared screenshots from our dog mode cabin views on the Tesla app, feel free to email a picture of yours to me and I'll email you a picture of mine back. I actually just posted one on my Instagram because, you know, that's a pretty new feature. It came in the holiday update and I happened to be running an errand in somewhere and had Daisy in the car with me and I put it in dog mode and went inside and while I was in there, uh, I pulled up the app and, and checked on Daisy through the, the camera. And it's like, yeah, she lo- I can see her pretty well. And maybe that's a good way. And just, you know, take a screen grab on your phone. And maybe we can just exchange screen grabs and see if, if yours is like noticeably clearer as a much newer car. And maybe that's, that's why <laughs> it's, it's yelling at you more because it's got a clearer look at your eyes. I don't know. Uh, Jim from Glendale, California. You, sir, are next. Hi, Ryan. This is Jim from Glendale, California. I have a 2020 Model Y and was thinking of subscribing to FSD for a month just so I can get a first-hand experience. If I purchase it, will I be able to use it right away and not have to wait to be accepted into a beta program or wait to get a safety score? Thanks so much and Happy New Year. Hi, Jim. Well, the answer to this used to be no or it depends. But as of now, the answer is yes, since the beta is open to anyone with FSD who requests it. However, there's one exception that I'm aware of, and that is your car can't go backwards on software builds, and the FSD beta does lag behind the regular production software releases. So check and see what version you have, which you can easily do in your Tesla app. Just scroll to the bottom, the very bottom of that that first page of the Tesla app, and it'll show you what software version you have. And if it's later than 2022.44.25.5, then you will not get it right away. If if it's that version or earlier, you should. 
And if it turns out you've got a later build, wait until the next FSD build drops. It's expected in the next couple of weeks, as you heard earlier, the 11.3, and then do your one month subscription. So I hope that helps, Jim. Good luck. Next is Alan from Waco, Texas. Uh, hey, this is uh, Alan from Waco, Texas. Uh, yeah, I like your show. I find it informative. I have an observation um, on tire pressure. The little sticker on the door that indicates the tire pressure says 42 cold pressure front and rear. And that's what I'd always used. And just recently uh, on the the page that shows the the diagram of the car and the current pressures, there's a little note that recommends front 46 and rear 48. And I'm pretty sure that it wasn't there until recently, um, unless somehow I missed, missed seeing it. But this is pretty significant. It's a big difference in recommended tire pressure, yeah, unless I've missed something. But I don't know if anybody else has observe this and i'm trying to use the, the the higher pressures that are recommended on the screen there i assume that's what tesla is recommending now but just wanted to bring that up and see if you have any input or your other listeners i like the show thank you hey alan thanks for your call well speaking of things that got added in that big holiday update like being able to check on your dog in dog mode through the tesla app and the in-cabin camera I also noticed that that got added to the UI with the holiday update as well, the tire pressure thing you're talking about. And it is a good thing to have on there, in my opinion. I'm not sure which Tesla you have and which wheel size and thus tire size you have and recommended tire pressure. But yes, I agree that following the recommendation on the screen is probably the best way to go. Running higher PSI is gonna increase efficiency a little bit, which is probably why Tesla is suggesting it. So happy electric motoring, Alan. Appreciate the call. Sang from California is next. Hey, Ryan. This is Sang from California. Long time, first time. Thanks so much for the show. I love listening to it every week. Last month, I sold my 2019 Model 3 Standard Range Plus in anticipation of getting a 2023 Model Y long range all-wheel drive. So with the new discounted pricing, I'm ready to pull the trigger, but I've been waiting for two things. First, I'm waiting for the return of radar. And secondly, I'm waiting for the 4680 cells to trickle into the long range model wise. So question is with the new pricing, I'm inclined to place my order immediately, but I'm worried that with the currently estimated January through March delivery dates, that the car would be manufactured before the radar or the new cells happens. So is it correct that I can place my order today and then delay the delivery date by up to three months once I get the confirmation that the car is being produced? And the second question is just in general about the 4680 cells. I'm kind of sensing that they're the next generation platform for the, the battery technology, but some of the outside early tests are showing less energy density than the 2170s. So personally, would you wait for the 4680s to make it to the long range Model Ys, or would you go ahead and just stick with the tried and true 2170s? Thanks so much, bye. Saying I appreciate your call and your kind words. Thank you very much. 
You heard me last week after the Franz interview give my big word of caution, which does apply here as well. That is Autopilot Hardware 4. That is what's worth waiting for if you don't need the car right away. Hardware 4 will, based on everything that's leaked, everything we can be reasonably certain of, Hardware 4 will have the HD radar in it. Personally, I wouldn't worry about the 4680s because they seem to be more beneficial to Tesla in terms of the lower cost of production than they are to the end user, at least in how they're being used in the Model Y so far. In time, such as in the Cybertruck later this year, they're going to be more potent than what we've seen so far. And the good news is that you're going to get a great car no matter if you take delivery tomorrow or in six months from now. So, Sang, have fun with this win-win decision that you've got here. I've got time for one more call this week. It comes from Ken in Columbus, Ohio. Hi, Ryan. This is Ken from Columbus, Ohio. I was calling to let you know about my uh, Tesla story um, this past month. Um, My family went on vacation back in December for Christmas. We ended up uh, test driving a Model Y because I told my wife I thought it'd be fun. And she absolutely fell in love with it. (laughs) And it happened to be right before Christmas when they were offering that uh, $7,500 discount and the supercharger miles. So after one test drive, she was sold and we ended up getting our Model Y while we were on vacation in Florida, and we live in Ohio, so <laughs> we had to get it insured and registered uh, in that state, and then we had to drive two vehicles back up through uh, cold and snow back to Ohio, and we made it, and uh, loved the car, but there's a few issues that are things that are bothering me, I should say. Um, Obviously, the the price uh, cut that just happened, uh, that's kind of disheartening because we felt like we made a good purchase decision and getting a better deal. Uh, But that's a pretty significant cut that, uh, you know, makes it hard to feel good about that deal we just got. So I I wanted to propose maybe a solution or or something that Tesla could do to, I guess, make me feel okay about the purchase I just made. And I was thinking, why couldn't they... Um, give FSD to you know buyers that just recently bought a vehicle before that price cut because that really wouldn't cost Tesla anything on their end and it'd be a really good act of, of goodwill and, and just make me feel good about my purchase again because I felt really good about it and now it's kind of hard to have that same feeling at the moment. Um, also, I was wondering if they could just give us an indication of when some of those features would come back, like the the parking features that the ultrasonic sensors uh, were able to help in in making that work. So uh, I I know that those are promised to come back, but we don't really know when. And and also if they could just let us know if the hardware 4.0 is something that could be retrofitted into vehicles, especially us recent Tesla owners, uh, just to give us some peace of mind and some confidence in our purchase. So anyway, that's all I've got for you now, Ryan. Great podcast, and I look forward to the next one. Bye. Well, Ken, that is a heck of a story. You and your wife are clearly adventurous people. If you were up for buying a car while on vacation a couple thousand miles away, thus meaning you'd have to drive two cars back home. 
as to, I salute you, by the way, as to what to do for folks like yourself who fell just on the wrong side of the price cut, you are not the first person in the Tesla community to propose FSD as a make good. And there's a really good reason for that because it's a fair suggestion. You're right that it doesn't really cost the company anything. And the number of people affected is probably in the single digit thousands, if I had to guess, meaning under 10,000. I mean, that's like two days of vehicle production for Tesla at this point. I suppose the one speed bump that still comes to mind is this. Where do you draw the line on that, right? And I say that with nothing but politeness and respect. But if you offer it to people who took delivery within 30 days of the price cut, what about the people who were 31 days prior? Somebody's always going to be unhappy, right? But again, please don't take this to mean that I'm taking Tesla's side. I do agree with you. And I think FSD, or at least enhanced autopilot, is a fair make good in this situation. We'll see if uh, Tesla decides to act. We've got the earnings call coming up next week. Maybe they'll see it in their hearts to announce something on there. Thank you very much for your call. Thanks to everybody who called in. I have more calls lined up, but just do not have enough time to get to them on this week's podcast. I think it's important to be respectful of your time. We are surging towards that one hour mark. So I will get to more calls as soon as I can. Feel free to keep them coming though. If you heard something in the podcast that you'd like to respond to, or you just have a Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic, I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of this segment. I would love to hear from you. Stick with me. I am not quite done. I've got a little bit more Ride the Lightning coming up for you right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. As for what's going on with me and my car in my Tesla life, the rain has finally stopped here in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's been raining for basically the, since the day after Christmas. Not quite every day, but often enough where it, washing the car just hasn't made any sense. We finally have clear skies in the forecast. I'm going to get this thing clean, and that is going to feel very, very good to see my car clean again. Uh, the other big thing going on this week, I am pleased to report that Daisy, the boxer over here, got her stitches out this week. She had a just very minor procedure, and everything was fine, but she had some stitches. They came out, so she and Zelina can finally play again. They had been going nuts having to be kept apart for the past, like, week, week and a half. And quite frankly, it was driving my wife and I nuts, too, having to keep them separated and just be play, like, play traffic cop. It was like, where's one? Where's the other one? Okay, it was... Anyway, so that feels good to have a more normal household again. As for an entertainment recommendation, I've got a, an interesting one for you this week. I was driving in my Tesla this week, and Greta Van Fleet... The band Greta Van Fleet came on the Slacker, you know, the on the my Tesla streaming service there. And I like Greta Van Fleet. I have their first album. You know, if, you, if you're not familiar, they are a throwback rock band. They sound almost literally like early Led Zeppelin in what I think is a really good way. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of their first album. And I just hadn't see, really heard their second album, which came out in 2021. 
A song came on. It was great. I went and looked up the rest of the album. It is awesome. It is a, an absolute banger from start to finish. So I'm going to, I think it's better than the first album. I'm going to recommend if you just are in the mood for a throwback rock album, check out Greta Van Fleet and the album is called The Battle at Garden's Gate. How about a pro tip of the week when your fellow owners and enthusiasts call in with a Tesla recommendation of some kind, something that's not obvious, not in the manual that can enhance your Tesla experience. This one comes from a regular caller, Robert from Texas. Take it away, Robert. Hey, Ryan, it's Robert from Texas. I've got a pro tip of the week. Uh, obviously, we'll see if you use it or not. Um, it really only applies to the new Tesla uh, phone chargers in the new Model X and new Model S. And hopefully those new chargers, uh, wireless chargers, make their way into um, you know the, the Y and the 3 later. Um, but what I find is when I put my phone straight down on the charger and just let it sit, a lot of times the charging doesn't catch. Uh, and the pro tip of the week is basically just if you turn the phone diagonal, so in the same square slot, you turn it diagonal to the right and the, the right top of the phone is hitting the side and, and the bottom left of the phone is hitting the left side, um, then basically every time I do that, the charging is, is 100% always starts. So just a tip there. I don't know if, if other people are having the same issue, uh, but that might help them. Thanks. Bye. Much appreciated, Robert. I hadn't heard of any widespread issues with the wireless phone chargers in the new SNX, but I'm certainly not suggesting that it hasn't given you trouble. So I am glad to put this out there in case other owners of the new SRX happen to run into this. Thank you very much. And again, if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, please call in with it. Just call in just like you were calling into the regular Ride the Lightning hotline and it will find its way to me. And I gave you the call-in instructions for that a little earlier in the podcast. Before I go, I want to mention some friends of the podcast that can perhaps be of use to you. I will start with abstractocean.com. They have dozens upon dozens, probably hundreds, I would say, of excellent aftermarket Tesla accessories for all four Teslas, SX, 3, and Y. A couple of good examples, the rear footwell lighting kit to put a nice little accent light underneath the raised front seats of the Model Y. So if you're sitting in the second row of the Model Y, you get you know just a little more of a premium look there. I'm a big fan of that. There's also the custom fit fourth generation tempered glass screen protectors for the Model 3 and the Model Y that use an antimicrobial coating and aluminosilicate glass, which is the same stuff that Corning glass uses on Gorilla Glass. So check all that out. Easy shipping, easy installation on all that. And there's just so much more. So take a look, abstractocean.com, browse by whichever Tesla you have, and then whichever stuff you like, Throw it into your online shopping cart. And then when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order. Again, that's RTLPODCAST, all one word. There are no spaces in that coupon code. Next up, don't forget about the snap plate for, again, all four Teslas. 
You can get yours at everyamp.com RTL. This is the front license plate bracket that I highly recommend using instead of the one that Tesla gives you because the one that Tesla gives you ad- adheses to the car with tape. And if you ever want to take it off, it's going to leave behind a really horrible tape residue. I have seen ones that have been removed by their owners and yeah, it's not pretty when it comes off. So grab a snap plate. What's nice is it's a clean minimalist design, blends really nicely with the front end of the Tesla when it's installed. And if you do choose to remove it, it leaves no unsightly hardware or anything else behind when it's removed. Make those fix it tickets go away. For those of you who like me, hate having to use a front license plate, but maybe you have to from the law of your state. So again, the website there to get yours is everyamp.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, budgetsafesolar.com. I continue to await. I'm in my four to six week window of waiting for activation, permission to activate, uh, permission to operate, I should say, of my solar panels that Budget Safe Solar installed for me late last year. You're going to check Tesla if you're interested in solar, of course, at the Tesla solar system, but it didn't work out for me. I needed a more, shall we say, custom approach given the shape, size, and just setup of my house. So I went with budgetsafesolar.com. Contact them today. Uh, Maybe it's just a second option. Maybe you're going to end up going with Tesla, but if you don't, they will take good care of you. Uh, So check them out budgetsafesolar.com. If you do proceed with an installation, a solar installation at your home or business, please use the referral code RTL. Meanwhile, if you and your car are going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, treat your car to a spa day at Immaculate Reflections. My detailer that I use, just a Jeff McGovern is the name of the owner and master detailer there. And he is a master detailer. This guy does incredible work. Uh, you can, if you ever see my car, you'll you'll get to see a, a rolling example. But you can check out his work on his, uh, I guess, Yelp page. You could take a look there, Yelp.com/slash/immaculate-reflections. You can check out his Instagram. His handle is immaculate underscore reflections, and his website, which if you do want to book in services with him, such as paint correction paint protection film on some or all of the car and or ceramic coating, you can book in and get in touch through his website, which is irdetailing.com. And when you do reach out, mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and politely say, may I please have the Ride the Lightning discount? Jeff will kindly respond to you. Yes, yes, you may. So listeners of this podcast, get a discount at Immaculate Reflections, so do take advantage of that. Next up, puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. They use a micro SD-based solution, which is gonna be a longer-term, more reliable setup than the the little Tesla logo USB flash memory stick that they give you with your car nowadays. It's just $49.00 for a 128 gigabyte kit or $69 if you'd like to step up to a 256 gigabyte kit, comes fully formatted, ready to go, take it straight into the package, plug it right into your car, works with Mac or PC when you wanna take the 
the drive out and plug it in and check the footage. Free shipping anywhere in the US, but they will ship anywhere worldwide as well. So check them out, puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, my Patreon, I mentioned it briefly at the top, but this podcast will always be free. It comes out every single Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. I've got the receipts to prove it going all the way back to 2015. Very proud of the fact that this podcast is there for you reliably every Sunday. But uh, all I ask in return is that maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, you humbly consider supporting me, which you can do on my Patreon page, found again at patreon.com slash Podcast. The pledge tiers all have perks and bonuses associated with them. So the base level uh, tier is, I call it the sport tier, named after the the sport driving mode in the Model 3 performance. And that's just five bucks a month. And that will get you, in addition to knowing you're supporting my efforts here on the podcast, you'll get early access to each week's episode as well. If you step up to the $10 a month tier, which is that ludicrous mode tier, that will get you the early access each week and that weekly bonus mini episode that I plugged at the top, which again, this past week was the behind the scenes of of my Franz interview. So there's now 31 of those, I think. So is once you pledge, you have access to the entire back catalog of those. The pledge tiers go up from there and the perks and bonuses all stack. So the the higher, the more you support, the more perks and bonuses you get. So again, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. If you're not already subscribing to slash following this podcast, that is the free way to just make sure that the podcast comes to you each week rather than you having to go seek it out. I'm on all the major podcast services, I think. I think I'm on all the major ones, but specifically Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. Uh, I'm on all of those, so if you use any of those, just subscribe to the podcast. I'm also on YouTube in audio-only format, but if just YouTube is an easy place for you to listen to it while you've got a YouTube tab open on your browser, go for it. You can just search Ride the Lightning Tesla and you should find my channel very easily that way where you can subscribe. Email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle on both of those social media sites. The handle is DMC underscore Ryan, because of course, as you heard plenty of last week, I used to own a DeLorean for a long time, and uh, that was a very special period of my automotive and just general life. And I'm looking forward to getting a Cybertruck to continue the stainless steel adventure. Anyway, uh, with that, let me just say hello and thank you to the higher tier Patreon backers. One of their perks is getting a shout out slash thank you each and every week. So I will start with the maximum plaid backers. Thank you so much to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, 
the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nessel wrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Scott Gillis, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, and Adam Lavoie. Thank you as well to the Roadster in Space tier backers who get a one-on-one hangout with me each month if they elect to choose it, in addition to all of the other perks and bonuses on the Patreon. So thank you so much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Carol Weston. Finally, a big thank you goes out to the grandfathered-in Plaid-level supporters. The Plaid tier is no more, but these folks are kind enough to continue backing at that level, and so they continue to be grandfathered in on all the perks and bonuses associated with that, which does include the shout-out. So, thank you very much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, in quotes, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen. Your time is your most valuable thing, in my humble opinion, so the fact that you would voluntarily choose to spend an hour plus of it each week listening to my podcast, celebrating and enjoying all things Tesla, I do sincerely appreciate it. So thank you very much for sticking with me week in and week out uh, here on Ride the Lightning. And with that, it is time to roll. So again, next week, big show. It is going to be that quarterly earnings call recap and analysis. I'll do my usual thing with that, which I always, it's always a scramble because the the earnings call is on Wednesday and I record late Friday night. So it's a, and I'm actually going to be on a business trip on Thursday. So It'll be, I'm going to make it. It'll be fine. We're going to get there. But it's always worth it because the earnings calls are just so chock full of, of good information, good quotes from Elon and the executive team. And they're just always fun to, maybe not, it's, it's not as fun to put together just because it's a little stressful, but it's, it's fun when I get done with it. And I'm like, and I feel like, okay, I, I made something hopefully that's worthwhile to people. So anyway, look forward to that next week. And in the meantime, happy electric motoring, my friends. I'm Ryan McCaffrey for a snoozing Daisy the Boxer and a snoozing Zelina the Future Service Dog. I'll see you next week.
I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.